0: Today's podcast has been brought to you by WeConnect Construction, a lead generation website for the construction industry. Check it out, www.weconnectconstruction.co.uk. Today I will be interviewing Dave Spiker, comedian, actor, writer and producer. With over 30 years in the industry, he has loads to talk about, highlighting his upcoming tour and retelling stories from Dead Man Weds and Phoenix Nights. Dave's website and the availability of tickets is in the description.
1: Enjoy. Hi, Dave. Hello. Welcome
0: to my podcast. It's nice here, isn't it? Yeah. Bolton Market. <laughs> Bolton FM. <It> smells <laughs> of pies though. It really makes me want a pie every time I come in here. A <laughs> pie? <laughs> yeah. You know, when you come from a market, I'm like, oh, I'm dying for a pasta. <laughs> um, right, Dave, to kick this off, mm-hmm. we do a round, mm-hmm. a quick fire round. Okay. So it's this or this. And what? you just say whichever one. What
1: if it's neither? What if it's... <laughs>
0: You've got to pick one. Oh, I'm not. It's a gun to your head situation. Oh, okay, all right. Right. Comedian or actor? Comedian. Phoenix Nights or Dead Man Weds? Dead Man Weds. Work experience or university?
1: Work experience.
0: Bullseye or eight o ten Cats? Bullseye. Writer or producer?
1: Uh, writer.
0: Brexit or Remain?
1: Um, this is one I just, I'm not informed enough. I'm going to be controversial. I'll probably say at the moment, Brexit.
0: Fair play for answering. Steak or veggies? Or veggies. Stand up or sitcom? Stand up. Excellent. Thank you very much. You I'm, passed. the flying colours. I've <laughs> Yes. A star for Dave.
1: <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it, when you, 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 stuff you're not informed about, like Brexit and Remain, it's like, yeah, I don't, don't ask me. Why, why would I know?
0: I, I'm just, I ask everybody that question. I'm just right. always in mode, just interested to see if people will actually answer it. But most people are like you, where they're like, I don't really know, but no, I'm going to say. Don't ask them. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they should have ever asked the public in the first well, That's
1: Cameron. Cameron's fault, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there's just, long gone. Yeah. Walked away.
0: Mutterbugger. Um, so, back to you, Dick. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you, obviously, about your career, how you've got into it, um, and what you're doing now, Any okay. you've So, first of all, how did you get into comedy?
1: Oh, right. So, um, as you may know, I worked in the NHS for 32 years. <laughs> yeah. And during the latter end of that 32 years, I got into the Hospital Review Society in Pantomime, so I was writing you know, sketches for the reviews and, and pantomimes. And uh, I never had any ambition to actually perform, but somebody asked me, would I write them? I seem to have a skill for writing comedy. And um, and I just joined this society just to get drunk and meet nurses, really. <laughs> don't you? <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, because the, the fluidity of, uh, of staffing in a hospital is, people who started to organise, like mates of mine who were doctors, went gp um you move, up the, you move up the scale, if you like. So we ended up directing them as well and organising them. And then somebody at some stage will take exception to your direction and say, you know what, do it yourself and walk off. And that happened to me. And so I had to go on stage. And, and I didn't want to. I really, really didn't want to. I was nervous, really proper stage fright. And I went on and did it, and I found, oh, immediately, that buzz, that adrenaline, that just watching people laugh. It was great being backstage and hearing them laugh at stuff I'd written, yeah. but actually seeing them and delivering the lines was, uh, it was really, Then that was it, that was it, basically. And then a friend of mine, a nurse of mine called Abigail Todd. Um, <laughs> not the brightest foot in the box. She's a lovely girl, Abigail Todd. Don't call me Abigail, call me Abby. I won't answer to Abigail. I hate Abigail, call me Abby. And then I pointed out that she's now called a bit odd, (laughs) (laughs) which she is. And she said to me, you're really funny. You should be a comedian. And I took her seriously. I don't know why. (laughs) I have no idea why. So we've all got
0: happy to thank for
1: this. Yeah. (laughs) And off I went. Off I went doing, um, you know, like talent shows to start off with, as far away from Bolton as possible. So if I was rubbish, nobody Nobody would see me and (laughs) nobody would know. So I went to Scarborough Opera House. Uh, It's not there now. It's a world of Wicca. (laughs) <laughs> and I went there <laughs> times change don't they and I went there and I won it what and I won like 800 quid or something like that so and
0: I, doing his, his stand up just doing
1: stand up my first ever 10 minute stand up and then um, I got to this national final called Stairway to the Stars <laughs> I don't know if you remember it you won't uh, and, and, final, it. and it was in Torquay at the Riviera Centre <laughs> Riviera and uh, and I went there and uh, it was a big deal back in the day so the judges were Larry Grayson fantastic, uh, Nina Mishko, the television critic, and then there was, Le- who else was there? Buster Merrifield from Fools and Horses, and yeah. Dora Bryan, comedy actress, fantastic comedy actress. And I won it. And afterwards, I was sat in the bar with Larry Grayson, and I'm like, because ah. celebrity was celebrity then. You yeah. really, very, very rarely met these people, saw them live. And uh, Larry Grayson was regaling us all with his tales of variety, and I was just sat there, like, in the corner. And he just came He was very nice to me. And he said, do you know what won it for you? He said, uh, what, wouldn't it for he was that routine you did, quite innovative about a juggler on a motorbike? And uh, he said, you know, that, one, that it was close, but that's, and so that's my tour at the moment that I've got one more day to do. It's called juggling on a motorbike. And yeah. I recount and I, re, I reminisce about those times and how, how it happened, sort of thing. When you first started. Yeah, and then I came back up north uh, thinking, like, it's comedy, it's easy. And I then there was nowhere to work up here at all. So uh, there were no comedy clubs as such at the time. I took in 87, something like that, 87, 88, and so I had to do the Wicked Men's, and in half of them I just died, died on my backside terribly. Really? Well, I don't do jokes, I do conversation, I do talk about life and stuff, and you could almost see them looking at you going, has he not got a fat mother-in-law, what's going on? You know, just I, do, you- I,
0: do you know what, I wanted to ask you about that, do you think, like obviously comedy has changed, mm. but do you, re- do you notice the difference well, with stand-up? Because obviously there would have been like loads of sexism and do you know like the the kind of jokes that there was, especially in like a working man's club, Irish Irish
1: jokes, all that. Yeah, you know, you know, you can't do that. Can't call the Irish you can't generalize and say they're stupid i mean i for my tour I, luckily enough i've got a really stupid mate called Derek rigby and so everything that happens that's stupid he's done basically <laughs> my new tour which starts next year i was going to call it i shot derrick rigby because i did when i was a kid and it's a great story but then i thought it's a bit of a mad title for a tour yeah
0: so so i've
1: called it a funny thing happened um because thing happens all the time and I'm going back, like you were saying, there. the, the old-time comedians always used to open with that line. they come on and say, oh, funny thing happened on the way to the theatre. Yeah. And uh, so I started looking at life and just going shopping and just going on your holidays. Funny things happen. But yeah, it was going to be called Derek Rigby. <laughs> but in answer to the question, yeah, it evolves. Comedy just evolves all the time. And you've got to keep pace with it. Some people don't and fall by the wayside, but you've got to... Because society changes and your points of reference changing. So you've got to... That's Yeah,
0: that's what I wondered. Is that difficult for a comedian? Because obviously you're funny. You're you're naturally funny. So you're always going to have this. But then the things that you notice, are they then funny to the next generation? And keeping up with that, I imagine, is quite challenging.
1: It is. It is challenging because (laughs) I am of a certain age. So I taught my generation. And over the years, I still get a mixed audience because I've got people coming who've seen me on like bullseye out of ten cats Phoenix nights whatever and um and so it's quite a broad spectrum, so i've got to be careful where, as you say, how I pitch it, and sometimes i have to I have to sort of do a bit of an explanation about sensibilities and what was happening when i when I yeah. was growing up, if I talk about growing up because I want to reference my growing up with what well, it's like growing up now, yeah there's massive differences in the comedy that you can you can get out of that, yeah you know? so yeah, it's, it's yeah you've got to be on the ball all the time.
0: Yeah, I imagine that's it. And then another thing I wondered is, do you notice regional differences? Like, are people up north more difficult to please when it comes to comedy than southerners?
1: I think it's the other way around. I think part of our makeup, part of our genes in the north is we can take we can take the mickey out of anybody, but we can and we can have it taken out of us. We can, you know, we've I think we love to laugh in the north. I'm I'm not generalising again, and I've never lived down south, so I don't know. But my experience is that we are, yeah. Like up here, it's your glass half full or half empty. Yeah, it's like get a a different glass, get (laughs) get a smaller glass, sort it out, you know. Um, and when I go down south, obviously, I've got to. I used to do a routine about Wigan, I love Wigan, don't get me wrong, but I love Wigan. Um, and my my daughter works in Wigan, has one for many years, and uh. But I, I talk about the pie, coming in and smelling the pies. I talk about the pie culture of Wigan and yeah. you know, every other shop's a pie shop. They've even got like a pie stretcher and things like that. And In
0: um, fact, <laughs> my ex is from Wigan. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, it's
1: a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great little town as well. Yeah, I my, love it. One of my favourite looking. Nice. Um, have, you ever, have you ever had a slappy? A slappy? A slappy. Oh, see, it's a traditional dish of Wigan. Is like you get a meat. I think it's a meat and potato pie and you put it on a barm cake on the bottom, and you put the top on it, then you go like that and slap it and just sm- smash it all up. Uh, it's
0: such, such a carby dinner, there, a pie on yeah. barm. Uh, a barm.
1: Little-known fact, uh, meat pies, have only got a hole in the top of them so Wigan people can pick four up at once. <laughs> Not many people know that. We're having a party, get a four-pack. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so oh so if I'm
1: down south, I have to explain the pie culture before I go into the routine. Yeah, because you know, I guess they like wouldn't that. have
0: really heard of Wigan. No, no, no.
1: Well, <laughs> they've heard of it, but not really thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> heard of it in passing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You, I think you attract, you're attract. you looking to get to a certain level uh, where you've got exposure that you attract your own audience. Yeah. So although it's a home game because they come to see you, after all those years on the comedy club circuit, where just being part of the bill, um, you still got to deliver. You still it's like a, I suppose, being an athlete or a sportsman or whatever. You have still got to prepare. I mean, I've got a gig on Friday, and i just all yesterday I sat just writing it out. I, I'm, it's like I'm at school. I've got to do, like revise. I've got to, It's the only way I remember it because I'm of a certain age, and just keep writing it and writing, yeah. writing, writing, writing. You've got to prepare. You've got to be on. Got to be on top of your game, really.
0: Yeah, because so when you do a tour, then they're all like the same thing. But does it evolve throughout your tour as well? Like your actual?
1: Yeah, I think if you saw me at the end of my tour, it would be forty, fifty percent different. The show because I'm a great believer. Well, I think I have to do it anyway. I've got to keep it fresh, not just for them, but for me. If I went on every night and did the same two hours, the same, 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 I just and I think it shows. I think subtly. I think they know. Yeah. You're just going through the motions in some in some parts of it, and I know there's a great temptation when you, you you think of a new idea or you're writing new material that you save that for your next tour. But I'm like a kid with a with a new toy. I just want to know I've got to, I've got to do it. I, I want to get on stage and see if it works. And, yeah. and, and then workshop it and workshop it until until at the end of the tour I've got it right and then I carry it over into the next tour because the venues i have seen that that even the beginning yeah, of that, that tour if you yeah, I didn't yeah, explain somebody. that very well but you know what I mean No yeah I know yeah, what yeah, you yeah, mean so yeah.
0: like kind of the back end of right. all the additional bits you can then put into your next one yeah. and, and, so on yeah. and so on and so on and keep evolving that mm-hmm. um, right obviously you said you wanted to get into comedy when you how, how old was you when you
1: um, let me think it was so I, I only I only started pro, I did them talent shows and then I packed it in for a bit Um I got a bit disillusioned with it, and there was nowhere to work. And then all of a sudden, uh, and, and this is where i have got to give a name check, it's a Bolton Octagon, because I was reading the Bolton Evening News one day. I think it was about 19, 1990, 89, 90, And the Octagon Theatre started a comedy workshop on a Friday night, and I thought, oh, I've got to have a look at that. And it was like, wow, it's like like-minded individuals coming down, wanting to write their own comedy and perform their own comedy, and we sat down, and we wrote in teams, and then you got up and you had to perform it at the end. And I loved it. And I was doing that. And there's a guy there who uh, called, uh, well, he called himself Agraman. I've never heard of Agraman. No, Agraman. <laughs> He's a massive name on the comedy scene back in the day. Agraman, the human anagram. See what he did? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and he compared, he started a gig in Charlton, uh, a, a Southern hotel upstairs. And it was like Saturday Night Live. So he, did, he had a music stage and he had a comedy stage. And he straight away said to me, would you come down and do it? And it was like, oh, that opened my eyes to it. And I just, yeah. this is what I want to do. And, and I, so I got back on on, on, the, uh, on the road then, basically. And then, and then I, this lucky thing happened that he it it got quite a name for it. was called the Buzz Club. I should mention that. And he's still going agraman, John. And because uh, it was only me at the time coming through, I was just behind in that era. I was just behind John Thompson, Carolina Hearn, bless her, um, and uh, people, Steve Coogan. Yeah. But they'd all moved on. They were down in London doing spitting images and doing that. So there were there was me and Dave Gorman, really, of, of the alt I hate doing that thing with your fingers, alternative. It <laughs> got to label the alternative scene. And so every time a big name came up, we got to support them. So like right. in about the space of a few months, I supported Eddie Izzard, Jack Dee, Lee Evans, Joe Brand. And the experience you get from them, and most of them were lovely, and most of them said, oh, because you can't get it. London, the London circuit is almost impossible to break into. Yeah.
0: Is it? Why Why is that?
1: It's probably not so much now, because they've got an abundance of talent down there. So you phone up from Bolton going, kind of got an open spot? And they go, well, who are you and what are you doing? And well, yeah. uh, I don't know, let's get, give me a ring in a few months. I'm up. And I couldn't get in there. But all of a sudden you've got saying, oh, Jack D. Support, uh, suggested I phone you up. Or, you know, Joe yeah. brand, brand and Jeff Green said that. And I got in at two or three places and then get on the London comedy scene, the comedy store. And again, the comedy store... Light, like, for some reason, really took a shine to me and, uh, and managed me. Uh, Don, Don Ward, who's Mr Comedy Store, he, he saw me and he saw something and, he, and he, he, early days he, he started managing me.
0: So then when, it's, when you're in your early days like this and you're supporting people, obviously, again, times have changed. Um, we had Justin Morris, on like mm. I said, uh, a while ago, and he was like, oh, in, in the beginning days, then everything's for free or for pittance yeah, as well. Yeah. Do you experience the same thing to try and break through? You've
1: just got have to. to, yeah. You've got to, and, and it's also an invaluable experience, but, yeah, I know. It's the, um, I used to work to the hospital, and um, I did on-call, for um, you know, emergency services, because I'd got to that sort of senior level. And so you were on call one or two nights a week, but you got some time off for doing on call. So I tried to plan it so that I could finish work on a Friday and go down to London for the weekend. But before that, you've got to do the open spots, as I was saying. So you'd phone a gig, a gig up and you say, oh, somebody recommended me, and they go, all right, Wednesday night, Camden. So I've got to finish work at the hospital, got to get in my car, got to drive all the way down to London. You go on and do the autumn spot. It goes okay. You come back home. That's like three and a half hours there, three hours back, three and a half hours back. I've worked all day. I've got to go to work in the morning. And you phone him up at lunchtime and go, so what do you think? And they went, oh, I couldn't get there last night. Can you come again next week? Oh, no. Seriously. And that's all for nothing. That first couple of years is like all for nothing. But, you know, you're either stupidly naive and think, no, I'm going to be a great comedian. Or you just... Ambi- not ambitious, but you just want to do do better and better and better and better.
0: But I think that is the key. So with anybody we've done these interviews with or just to me in general, in business, no matter what your business or your career is, then those who end up doing exceptionally well will keep driving to yeah. Camden yeah. and yeah. will keep doing that. And like you say, is it naivety, stupidity yeah. or, or sheer ambition? Yeah. I think it's a, a mixture a mix. of them all, yeah, is it, it? it is a mix. And yeah. that's what will ultimately set you apart if you can yeah. just keep going on
1: I think it's yeah I think it's the ambition side of it you know you can be naive all you want but you know you you you, if you believe in yourself you believe it's like any job you do like you say any job you do you're at that level right and you're doing well and then you see somebody at that level and you think I'm as good as them at doing that and so you push yourself to be as good as them and it's that ladder is not it you keep climbing that ladder before you know you and the thing was I'd done that at work as well to a degree so I started off doing the rounds in the laboratories there doing like you know everything histopathology biochemistry settled on haematology which i loved and then sort of pushed myself and pushed myself to to get like all the different exams eventually got fellowship um and became chief in, in biomedicine uh, in the hematology lab. And at the same time I was doing well on the comedy circuit. And I remember looking in my diary one week and I was doing a big uh, doing a course on No, uh, hemodlobinopathies, obviously. Um do with blood <laughs> uh, Abnormalities of haemoglobin. And um and of course at St Thomas's in London. And then I looked what well, well, I've got to come back because I was like at as we're saying I was at the Bustler with supporting Eddie Izzard on the Thursday night. And on Saturday I was with Lee Evans in Cheshire doing something. And then because um, I've I got another agent, and I seem to appeal to two different sorts of audiences. I was supporting uh, Cannon and Ball at the Opera House in Blackpool on a Saturday, and Max Boyce onto a sort of massive yeah. deal of different, and the experience of all those different audiences and re- requirements, if you like. Just, um, just sort of, you're not obsessed with it, but you just want, again, as I say, just get better and better. Yeah. And then I looked at the diary and thought, what am I doing here? It's ridiculous, <laughs> you know. But, yeah. yeah. And so
0: at what point was you thinking, like, all right, I need to give up this full-time job because I'm knackered?
1: Um, I didn't really. Uh, I was looking up because I started doing well. I got on the London Comedy Circuit and I'd go down on a Friday afternoon, as I say, and I'd probably do three, three or four shows on the... Because you you'd travel from... I'd say to the Comedy Store, I want to go first in the early show, so you're on at half seven, and then finish for, like, eight o'clock. And then I'd jump out, run outside, get on the tube, go to Camden and do Jongleurs in Camden, right, and I'd do that, and I'd like half eight, nine o'clock, then I'd get on the tube and go to Battersea, right across London to another jungler as they'd do that. Then I'd come back to the comedy store for the late show and go on last in the late show at like one o'clock in the morning. Oh, but you might as well, because if you're down there,
0: yeah, make the, make the money,
1: bet. pay for your hotel. And so, anyway, long story short, so I'm, I was earning a bit of money doing comedy and I could give up my uh, on-call that was sort of knackering me as well. So I, I got rid of that whole uh, aspect of my, my, my employment at the hospital, and um, which helped sort yeah. of thing as well so the two things came together and it wasn't un- and I never had any ambition even then to make a career out of it yeah, really even though I'm doing really so well it. yeah really really enjoying it making a bit of money and um, and then of course I'm, I'm comparing the Northwest Comedian of the Year competition because I'd won it a few years before and um, the final was Johnny Vegas was nailed on favourite and then this young lad from Bolton turned up Peter Kay and uh, he came really early and we were, had a good chat and we had a lot in common and uh, in our, in our comedy heroes and comedy writers who we love, like Ronnie Barker and uh, Woody Allen, massive spectrum. And um, and he went on last, which was a tough gig. There was 10 acts, and Johnny was walking away with it. He went on just after the interval. And yeah, as soon as you, you come on, you, you sort of know, you sort of know he's, he's someone special, really, really, really special. And we got on really well, and we started working together, and we started writing almost immediately. And the brilliant thing was, a little... Little addition was the fact that he lived about five minutes from the hospital where I worked. So, yeah. in lunch times, I'd take a double lunch and I'd go around there and we'd start writing stuff together. And then, of course,
0: with the idea to write a sitcom, or uh, is that yeah. what? You-
1: yeah, well, at first we were just writing anything. We wrote a thing that's very rarely seen, I think. I don't think it's ever been uh, repeated. It was called Mad for the A6. And at the time, yeah, there was a lot of road trips. Have you seen it? Yeah, I did see it. A yeah, lot, lot of road trips. You know, Robbie Coltrane doing that and Billy Connolly doing that yeah. road trip. And we thought, well, I think we'll do the A6. And we got a camper van and a cameraman, <laughs> me and Peter and Joe went. And we did the route a couple of times. And then we just improvised. Yeah. And uh, Neil, Neil Fitzmaurice turned up in it. In the, we stopped at the Apollo in Manchester. So that was the first thing we did. And then Comedy Lab, and then that Peter Kay thing. And was I was still at work. that
0: kind of the big break for you all at that point, yeah. writing wise? Yeah,
1: it was. And I, mean, I was still at work, and right up right <laughs> until that Peter Kay. I took all my holidays off in afternoons to do the rehearsal and the writing and all that. That didn't go down too well, really. So when Phoenix Nights came as a spin off of it, I thought, I've got to do it now. So And everybody said that must have been a massive gamble. Yeah. It wasn't really, because I mean, I'd got to. Since Big I don't mean it that way. I just I was I was at a level of my profession where I knew if it all went per shaped with the comedy lark, yeah. um, I could I could always get, not you maybe not in back. Bolton, but yeah. I could get a job somewhere in the northwest. Maybe not at the same level, but approaching that. So it was a gamble, but not a massive one.
0: And then, like you say, you did the the spin off in Phoenix now nice, yeah. which is just I don't know if it's just because I'm from Bolton but to me I'm just like this is legendary. it my boyfriend's from Watford and he um, loves The Office I think he was on there was oh, all the same time a every time, time we went to
1: the BAFTAs or the British Comedy Awards or whatever British Television S- uh, Society Awards it was always us versus The Office yeah uh, uh, and I at my age the, I got a uh, British Comedy Awards I got nominated for Best Newcomer at my age oh. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> and uh, Johnny Vegas was presenting it. What a coincidence. And, oh, he, and he just kept winking. I then he said, let's have a look at the nomination. He kept winking at me I'm like that what? <laughs> so I thought I'd won, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he you, I don't know if it's ever if it's available, but he, you know, and he said the winner is, and he literally went, No way. <laughs> <Just like that>. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And Chris Marshall won it. You know, he was in my family, he's done loads of stuff since, Yeah. you know well, what's it? Paradise, Death in Paradise, and all that stuff. So he does all that, doesn't he? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I think I know him from yeah, my family. All, yeah, it's all that. A really
1: good actor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, anyway, my partner is from Watford, and he he hadn't heard of Phoenix Nights. I'm like, no. Hey, you! I mean, he is a bit younger than me, so he's <laughs> he's thirty, so he would have been like a teenager at, at, at that point. But I was like, You have got to watch Phoenix Nights, anyway, so I've made him binge watch it, and he's <laughs> like, Oh, I love Phoenix Nights. Really? And, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. But he would be more prone to The Office just because he's a. Singer, I love The I think. Office.
1: I love Gervais. I think he's a genius. He's brilliant. You know well, everything he's done. I,
0: wonder, I, I did wonder though, is it not just be. A, Obviously, it ended up being massive everywhere. There's other people I speak to, obviously, down the but We yeah. know Phoenix Nights. I went living in Tenerife for a while, and this lad had brought the Phoenix Nights DVD yeah. over with him, and he was a southerner. I was like, oh, do you know Phoenix? Because to me, I was like, oh, it's this club in Farnworth. Like, obviously, I knew that. Yeah. So you just feel more like, oh, it'd, it'd just be people in Bolton who this <laughs> is. It would one. appeal to the Northwest. <laughs> I think
1: it is a rite of passage still up that you've got to watch it at some stage. Yes. I was at the airport, I was going to Spain recently, and some guy ran up and went, oh, would you sign me DVD? He I went, well, yeah, I'm not coming in your house, though. And he went, no, I've got him." And he just had him in his bag. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He said, we always, when we go to Spain, I, we always take Phoenix nights to watch while we go to Spain. Uh, in Benidorm, that. yeah. So, so yeah. It, I mean, obviously, that must have
0: been an amazing time of your life. Because yeah. it ended, and now it's ended up being, like, legendary. Mm. But, like, at that time, it was super popular as well. Yeah. I'm guessing, did you... Ever think it could be like that? Did you know before you put it out there?
1: No, you can never do that, I don't think. And we knew because, like, three of us wrote it, all comedians, all, like, st- students of comedy, students of sitcom, that we knew we'd done a good job. But I don't think Channel 4 were that impressed with it. I'm, I'm, probably it was that Peter Kay thing first. As they shoved it away on Friday night at something like 11 o'clock. Yeah. But then people started, you know, on, on social media, as it was at the time, were going, have you seen that thing? Yeah, uh, Sorry, Peter Care thing and that. Um, so we can never be sure that it's going to be good. We just knew we'd done the best we could. And compared, Like we're going back to comparisons in your profession, we knew it was as good as that, probably better than that, probably better than that. Yeah. But would the public see it that way? And we had this thing where we wrote a scene and we didn't leave that scene until all three of us agreed that we couldn't get any more comedy out of that scene, oh, right. even if it was just putting a sign on or what. You know what would be funny if there's something on the television going on, or there's something on the radio, or there's a sign or a poster. It's just something yeah. that one or two people who were watching it would pick up on and go, "Oh, that's funny," and yeah. say to somebody else the next day, "That bit with the photo on his desk. What, 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 what bit?" Yeah. And it, as long as ten percent of people noticed it, a job is done because the people will go back. And, watch it, and watch it again, and watch it again, because it was layered so much, you yeah. know, so, yeah, uh, that's all you can do, really, and and we didn't really expect it to be, I don't think, as massive as it was.
0: So what was that like, like, what, being it was, caught it, up in that? And, you do and get caught up in it. You've gone then to acting as well, so yeah. obviously you starred in it.
1: Yeah, I had to audition, <laughs> obviously, because I'd never acted, so oh, um, really? I had to I, fair enough, I mean, I'd written, I, I knew Jerry from when we were writing it, I knew him inside out, and... So I just, I went for the audition and I, I got it. But I had to, yeah, it was very nerve-wracking for me doing so it. And so
0: when you do, so you've wrote a sitcom and then you somebody says like, oh yeah, we'll commission it. Yeah. We'll put it on here. Then... Does somebody else produce it? Do you have a yeah. hand in that? But you, you have a different production company with directors, or it,
1: yeah, it depends. It depends who and where I went. and when. All, all my th- I've been looking to have three on that have all been yeah different. And uh, you, you get together with um, I mean with Phoenix and that it was a, I was just a writer on that and actor. it was my first thing I've ever done, so I had no say really. Quite rightly, and I didn't know anything about producing and directing television. Um, but yeah, you, so your production company. Who, who takes it on board. Sometimes the BBC say, have you got an idea? Or ITV like will say, have you got an idea who you want to produce it? Because I did, when I did Dead Man Weds, I did it with Red Productions, were massive in Manchester. Yeah. And uh, sent them the script and yeah, they they went for it. So, and then they say, they were really good with me, Red, because they said, right, we're directors. And we, we, I sat in on interviews with directors and obviously they've got, they give their take on their interpretation of where it's going and who all that characters like and stuff. So you can, Ask them questions about do they get it? Yeah. Did they get it as and, and just, that's that's a great input, but actually the production company that they, they sort of organise it.
0: They they sort yeah, everything yeah, out like yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. And um, how did you find that? What was that like, like being an actor now? So you've gone from working for the NHS
1: to oh, doing mad. some comedy stuff and now you're like
0: acting on this. I left like
1: I left the NHS on Friday the 13th of October in 2000 <laughs> In two thousand, and um, I switched my microscope off for the last time and hung my white coat up for the last time and then the week after I was sat in a car park in Farnworth dressed as a giant berry um, <laughs> in the pouring rain thinking was this a good career move really? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> while in a, a yeah, really... uh, six foot inflatable <laughs> inflatable. <laughs> It's a 10-foot cock-and-balls, man. Oh <laughs> Inflated behind me, and I'm singing Walking on Sunshine, and it's putting down.
0: But was you happy, though? <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: no, absolutely. I mean, I love Jerry. I love the whole experience of it. I'm I'm not a very good actor. I've been off office stuff since, and I know my own limitations, but that sort of suited me, because I, I saw it was me, in a yeah. way, you know. And um, <laughs> and I just didn't really... I, I think there's a scene in the outtakes where we me and Peter get um, pulled up by the by the police, and he just... He, and I... My dad, they're calling me dad, I think, in it. And uh, in the outtakes, Peter said, this is the scene where Dave forgot to act. <laughs> <laughs> and I am. <had>, I just... <laughs> I'm, no, really? I'm not an actor. No, I got offered, i get offered quite a lot of acting, but I just get the scripts and go, I couldn't do it. I know I couldn't do it. Oh, I couldn't really? do it justice, yeah. Yeah, I'm not an actor. I'm not and, very good.
0: And so then after... This is all blown up, and then... So this must be amazing for then when you want to go and do your stand-up, because yeah. now you've been on a big t- national TV mm. programme and you loved and people knew you was that, and you was the writer for it. So yeah. I'm guessing this really helps.
1: Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah. So uh, all these agents know from knocking on your door, but I stayed with a comedy store uh, because they've been really good to me and uh, they were lovely people. And I said, and I had to do it. I said, I want to do a two now. And they went, really? You? I went, yeah, but look at Phoenix Nights. It's 2003. And they said, well, all right, we'll try and put one together. And within like, a week, I got like sixty dates in or something like that. big theaters, big, you know, mm-hmm. Manchester Pro's and places like that. Two thousand is
0: this the tour where you talk about dabbers?
1: Uh, it might have been. I got a lot of sticks for that. I
0: got I, you. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I got that DVD. That's like my favorite. I, so I remember getting that DVD obviously because the senior on Phoenix Nights nice, and that bit what you did. I was in tears. <laughs> All laughing right, okay. <laughs> Why do people not like that?
1: Well, they think it's a bit weightist- Oh. I don't know. I don't know. But but, but I, like I say, when I was doing it, I'm not. the you know, big is beautiful. You are what you are. Be big, be happy. Be small, be happy. But Dobbers are a type of person, aren't yeah, they? they? Yeah, are yeah. It's of... the attitude, <laughs> yeah. not so much yeah. like you.
0: You've described some physicalities that go. Um, generally hand in hand with that whole attitude yeah, <laughs> the I I've never forgot it. I'm not, I've not seen it there for years, admittedly, it, it, but I absolutely loved uh, it. Well, I
1: brought out and we did some merchandise on the tour. I brought out Dobber Clubber, <laughs> which was basically like big T-shirts <laughs> and leggings. <laughs> Lemon leggings. You had to wear navy blue knickers under I, them, I obviously. I
0: feel like <laughs> I might be a bit of a Dopper now. Though. Like, that's all I live in. <laughs> I need some Dobber Clubber. That thread burr,
1: really thread Poundland leggings. Yeah. Got oh, custard colour. And... <laughs> Right, blue knickers underneath for some reason. <laughs> yeah, oh,
0: it was so funny. I, I, just, I actually remember watching it and just crying, laughing, That oh my god, he's a genius. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, so, yeah, so that it was, I think it was in that tour, I don't know, but I called it the overnight success tour because it took me 20 years to tour, sort of thing. <laughs> but I'd got all this is where it comes in. I'd had, I'd, I'd had 20 years touring experience, well, not 20, about 30, 14 to 2000. Of playing the clubs and really working hard at it, so the show wrote itself. Basically, it was, a, it was yeah. that journey and everything along the way. So the material was there; I didn't have to work too hard, except crafting it together into a yeah. And I guess show. at this point,
0: everybody loves you because they know a lot more about you at this point, and then you've got all of this experience, so you understand audiences and how to convict yeah. the joke and all the rest yeah. of it. So I guess it came yeah. quite naturally at this point.
1: Yeah, it was like a, a massive well. You know, curse standing up on the back of your neck. And this is what I've been working for. Just this, getting 2,000 yeah. people laughing. Oh, that's amazing. Thing. Yeah, I love amazing that. Amazing
0: I love that. So yeah. then at that point then, so you've done your tours. These are all quite successful. Where, mm. What do you do next? Like, where would you go from there? Surely as a comedian, then you're like, this is it.
1: This is... Well, it, isn't, it wasn't so much in the day. All you, while I'm doing that tour, all I'm thinking about is, how do I follow this? I've got to follow this. So I need to write, write new stuff yeah. um, for my next tour. And then, then I, this is, I'm, I'm, the one next year, I wasn't going to do another tour next year. Then somebody pointed out it would be 20 years since I left the hospital. I should celebrate that 20 years. And so this is, a, <coughs> uh, I shot Derek Rigby. Uh, funny yeah. thing, a funny thing happened. Um, so, then, so I'm doing that. And I, I think it, I, I just, because I love stand-up more than anything, I just want to write a new show. And it was a big challenge to write a new show that would equal that overnight success tour, the first DVD that got like gold disc and stuff. So okay. I thought I've got to match that now. Um, and, I don't, and also, when you do uh, when you get to that level, I was very lucky that Universal Studios came in and they wanted to produce two DVDs. I did, I did a two DVD deal, so I had to write another oh, show. Right, okay. So that was the imminent so thing. You forced into it. Yeah, yeah, they made me do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, uh, but at the same time, I wanted to write, so I wrote, as you know, you mentioned before, I wrote this thing about, and John, I got Johnny Vegas to star in it. Because we yeah. mates and Janice Conley was in it from Phoenix and um, Keith Barron. I love Keith Barron, God bless him. He died last year, didn't he? And, um, and uh, I had a sword fight with uh, Michael Brandon at Dempsey and Mate <laughs> I just can't believe it. I had a sword fight dressed as a cavalier and he was around dead or the other way around. I can't remember. And I'm there just. <laughs> this sword fight on the Moors in Derbyshire. You have to watch it to understand why. And um, and I just thought, I'm having a sword fight with, with Dempsey. I'm, oh, is it peace? No, it's Dempsey. I just expected him to roll over a car bonnet at any minute. It was just <laughs> surreal. So, yes, yeah, so I, I I was lucky enough. To, I, and everybody I sent it to, that Dead Man Wears, uh, all the actors, they all agreed to do it straight away. Alan Rothwell was in it. It was just brilliant, brilliant time. Um, do
0: you feel like at heart you're just a big kid? Because just the two scenes that you're describing <laughs> there, for people who haven't seen your stuff, is one, you're dressed as a Barry, um, with a giant cock and balls in the background. And the next in the background. You're dressed let's, as let's just qualify that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is no. in the it is in
1: the background. I don't mean to. I'm not a bear with a giant <laughs> cock and balls. <laughs>
0: Maybe for the next one, <laughs> um, and then the next one, you're um, dressed as a cavalier, having a sword fight. I know, and know. I mean, you are writing this yourself, yeah. so <laughs> where is where do you get your material from? I know you say you draw right. it on real life events, but
1: yeah, I well, berries love...
0: in car parks, isn't...
1: Well, that was that was all part of it. <laughs> it. rhymes with Jerry. What can we do? You know, so a bit, we're a bit limited, really, for the for the family fun day mascot. Uh, but with Dead Man Weds, I was sort of like, I've always, if you've ever seen me do stand up. Um, Anybody listening? Uh, I always do topical news, but I do local news. I don't. I'm not bothered about Trump and Brexit and all that because that, yeah, it's there hanging over us. But it doesn't really. It does affect us, but no, not, on I'm not, not on a basis local basis in the level, daily basis. So I get um, I get local newspapers. Every every gig I do, every show I get the look. It's in my ride. I want the local newspaper, and I will nearly always find something in it that makes me laugh mm-hmm. because mainly, and then I analyze it with the audience at the start of the show and you connect, it makes you connect with them because you're talking about where they live yeah. and the way things are where they live. And it, and it's funny just because I'm an outsider analyzing it in a different way than they yeah. do, you know. Like one of my favorite stories was, I was in Hartleypool of all places and um, there's a little little tiny story on the inside pages and it says, a police board ship to arrest a drunken sailor. Right, which is funny anyway, isn't it? So, and it's a little story, and it says how they, uh, with the with the harbor police and the normal police, they boarded this ship to arrest this d- dr- sailor who was drunk and disorderly at three a.m. in the morning, and that's what stuck out to me. So I said, so, but what are they going to do with a drunken sailor? You know, it's that early a... saying drunken sailor, but... yeah, but that early in the morning, what are they going to, you know? So, I just you can always find something in there. There's a alarm got loose in from a zoo in Blackpool and it terrorised the play uh, terrorised? It's a llama it terrorised this kid's playground and I just the journalist who wrote the headline should have taken the rest of the day off because the headline was llama drama ding dong which is just brilliant isn't it?
0: Oh my god (laughs) So you
1: don't have to do any work that it's done for you sort of thing and my favourite recently was this uh, Little Hamster I don't know if you read this it was in the Daily Mirror not long ago Little Hamster little girl took it to the vets in a cage because it wouldn't move just wouldn't move just sat there all day, just wouldn't move. I wouldn't, when it's wheel, wouldn't have anything, just sat there like that. So she took it to the vet. And only a few days ago, it had been out in the kitchen, normally, but now, no. So the vet's <laughs> looking at it, takes it out of its cage, it's all over the place. It's, it's all over the place, up in the curtains. He's trying to catch, cat the sir. Ah, well, what's going on here? So they give it a real thorough examination, and in its mouth, in its cheek pouch, it had a fridge magnet. No, no. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yes. So, it was the so they put it back in the cage and it went, <laughs> <laughs> come on, Amy, I can't move. <laughs> oh, no. Go in your wheel. <laughs> so you don't have to really work hard, do you, when the, yeah. uh, it's there for you?
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's good. But, so, I mean, so that isn't your full shot, though, isn't No,
1: no, it? no, that is. In the <laughs> did, we had two or three of those at the beginning <laughs> and two or three at the end. And... Um, and that's where Dead Man Weds came from, because I, I wanted to base it in a local, little rural uh, newspaper office where nothing ever happens, and they sort of have to, have to make news up or take a little story and make it bigger like oh, that. Okay. That's yeah. why it's called Dead Man Weds. That was a Bolton Evening News headline. That's what triggered the series. I was, on, I, was, I was looking at the hospital, so, gosh, that's a long while ago. I must have just made a note of it, and there was a, there's a, an a off-licensed paper shop at the bottom of Minerva Road, in yeah. and there was a big billboard outside, and it just said Dead Man Weds what, like that? <laughs> So, bought the paper and it, it, it's about this guy who obviously had a cardiac arrest doing something so he's brought back from the dead, God bless him, and he's got well enough now, and he's getting married. Oh, right. But should have had some inverted commas around the dead, wasn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> just like a, you just, just imagine the actual wedding where he's got... Like, uh, he's in his where, where's, where's Billy? Well, he's dead. He's dead. Well, what's going on? Well, we'd already booked the buffet with Molly Bentham, so, and she puts a good spread on, so it couldn't cancel it. We'd lose our deposit. I uh, don't know. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm obsessed with like local news and stuff. And yeah. then
0: you just obviously develop it. Yeah, from there. Yeah, yeah. And um, is that what your stand up is is like now? Still just things where where you are an yeah. artist.
1: Yeah, and I mean this thing about you know and my memories mm. like I shut down. I know I keep mentioning I shut down Rugby. Um I've not really written it yet. I've got twenty seven pages of notes, that's gonna find its way into a two hour show for January. <laughs> um yeah, it's all about that, isn't it? And what what's I th- I find funny? Um lots of stuff on television, I'm obsessed. I've done this on stage and it doesn't get a massive laugh because I think you have to watch it. I'm obsessed with daytime telly because that's what I do. I watch, I'm out at night usually working or whatever. Yeah. And um, some of the shows are just like nothing to declare. Have you watched that?
0: Yes, I, just like, it's I, just, it's just, TV. I love it's it. Just,
1: it's just people from the Far East trying to smuggle food into Australia. <laughs> no, it's, that's all it is. It's just sit there, there with four suitcases. Oh it's, Jesus, like, uh,
0: it's never anything bad though, no. is it? It is literally yeah. like some really random nuts. like, why did you not
1: declare these? <laughs> You've read the form, I've read the form. Okay, and it says food and you put none. Okay, yeah, so there's no food in this bag, no food. <laughs> Issue sure no food? Okay, opens the bag. Just, just food. Just rammed with food. <laughs> A full of what nuts. are these? Or oh, some insects, or some nuts or some like say Oh, and then they go. All right, you've got two hundred and fifty dollar fine for that. Australian dollar fine for that. Now I'm going to ask you one more time. You've got four more suitcases. Any food in those suitcases? <laughs> no food. It's all food. Four It's just full of food,
0: isn't it? They just don't <laughs> like the local cuisine. Though. But they get to the last
1: one, and this is this is always the case. Gets the last one, and they say, "Did you pack this bag yourself?" No. All of a sudden, they've not <laughs> packed the bags. <laughs> Who packed it? My mother. Why? She wanted to help. Is, do you think she might have packed some food? No. <laughs> she just, so I just I pick up on stuff like that and adverts. And, oh, you know, it's all blame for a claim and all that. Yeah, just I was using a ladder without the appropriate instructions. What? What? Did he not say stop at the top? What <laughs> what instructions do you need for a ladder, really? You know, yeah. and um, and uh, oh PPI claims and all that. And, uh, and I talk about these cold callers. You get it's supposed to be banned, but you get cold callers, don't you? Yeah. Um, you know, um, the one that's at the moment, in it's on television as well, is industrial deafness. If you're not doing anything, you can spend ages with it. (laughs) So if you phone your phone, hello, I'm calling from, it's called, what's it called? Hope, Hope Insurance or something like that. Um, I'm wondering if you or anybody you know suffers from industrial deafness. Hello? (laughs) (laughs) You can be there for hours. It's just brilliant. Do you or anybody, (laughs) do you work in a noisy environment? i have not got an allotment. What's you talking about? <laughs> just, 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 and when they phone you up about the accident, and they'll be thinking, ka-ching. Yeah. but you know the no, because you just can't go on." Yeah, they will, won't they? But it's like when pho- about the accident. We're funny about the accident you've had. No, normally you've not you've not had an accident. So you've not had an accident. And they go, "Yeah, you, you have an accident." Yeah. We've gone to a contra files. Have I, when was this? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm phoning to discuss with you. But it's an accident. Oh, hang on. I did. I did have an accident. <laughs> yes, I thought you did. When was this? What? When was what? <laughs> this accident? What accident? You said you had that. Did I? I've have. I've have had an accident. Yeah, I got yeah I got yeah somebody ran in the back of me. Oh, that brings it back. Rang in the back of me. I got whiplash and um, I have uh, I have this problem where I, I just I bang my head and I can't focus and I can't remember stuff. Oh great. So where was this accident? What accident? Just you know, it could be the for, for As long as it takes. So if you work the night shift,
0: this is what you need to do with your time in the day.
1: But no, it's life. Life's funny, isn't it? There's two girls talking on Charlie Market, and one said um as your dorian had the baby i said yeah i had a little boy eight pound 12 ounces lovely what they called him so they called him mark oh mark's nice can't go wrong with mark (laughs) she said get this though snooty cow spelling it with a c (laughs) (laughs) she she went cark (laughs) why why would you put it on the front why would you do that you can't write stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I love Have you that. heard they found a body over at Chinese on Market Street? Yeah. Have they really? they yeah, found a body up there? Drugs? They think drugs. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, look at that Chinese on Market Street. Yeah, with a one-way. Oh yeah. Oh, and been there a while. Apparently, this body. Well, how did they know? It was stiff, rigid. Oh, it was Cliff Richard. No. <laughs> what's Cliff Richard doing over a Chinese in Charlotte? Yeah, of course. Yes, it was Cliff Richard. Yes, it was. <laughs>
0: Oh, there, yeah, that's <laughs> funny. That is funny. I'm going to come on your next tour. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, that'd be interesting.
0: <laughs> come to watch your next tour. I'm going to come to watch your next tour, which is in January. Let's do the vlog and move on from that and fall past. I've got the last one
1: <laughs> of this, for the Juggling on a Motorbike. Um, the last one of that in New Mills, which is a lovely little theatre, and that's in the end of November. Then I start again. Yeah, I've got two warm up shows in Charlie where the listener comes first, um, <laughs> coming in your ears. Uh, I've got this all out. That's brilliant. Um, that's in January, and then I start. Um, oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember them all, so we'll go <laughs> We've we'll got Skipton, Litham to start off with, and then Oldham, one of my favourites, Oldham Coliseum, Lowry, which is a brilliant theatre, and, uh, oh, there's a lot of other places around here. They're, oh, Warrington. No, you're just talking about Warrington. I got this. Honestly, I got this. <laughs> I'm showing her an email. I got this this morning. Right. I'm not doing Warrington till next October, so it's like almost a year off, but you've oh, got to yeah. book him so far in advance. And this, I can't, obviously, i am not say his name, but he's called Alan, that's all. I'll not say, well, I can't, can I, because it's confidentially anyway, in so. a Dear Mr. Spikey, you'll think I'm making this up, but verify that. It's right. Yeah, it is. It's
0: a verified email. <laughs> Dear
1: Mr. Spikey, my daughter has today boots us three tickets for your appearance at the Power Hall in Warrington next October. By then, I shall be 79 years old. I was a bit surprised that we had to book so far in advance. You must agree that at my time of life, it has to be a bit of a gamble laying out nearly 60 quid, including the booking and administration fee, on the supposition that I, and indeed you, will still be around. (laughs) Cheers, man. (laughs) It says, nevertheless, I shall look forward to seeing your show, providing that my dementia allows me to remember I'm going.
0: (laughs) I hope you're going to feature him in the oh, show. Oh, it's absolutely going to feature in the <laughs> and show. And just double check that he is still, mind you. Imagine if he doesn't make the show. Well, I know where he is.
1: <laughs> Hang on, where is he? He says, uh, "P.S. I'm on row B, easy target. <laughs> so I'll just have to look at row B and make sure <laughs> there's, make sure no there's gaps. nobody missing." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and What's then, how can people get your tickets on your website? Yeah,
1: or... davespacky.co.uk live. And do you have I... social media? No, I came off social media. I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it's, it
0: can be intense, and also a rather boring at times.
1: It's boring, but also you know sometimes um, you say I, I liked answering fans I, I, honestly about stuff. Yeah, not nothing inflammatory, just being nice and honest. And yes, that, and then you want the paper the next day, and there's some story about you saying that. Yeah, that, and you're thinking, I didn't say that. Have you read the tweet again? I never said that. Yeah. You and know, about line. how you insulted the people. You know, so, so I just went, That's it. you know what? I don't need it. So it's a shame sure. because I know because if you're touring and you yeah, you're looking like this, you do really need twenty had twenty thousand followers. It's a lot, but then again not
0: massive is it yeah. yeah I think social media there's a place for it now definitely for mm. when you're promoting your businesses and whatever yeah. but obviously you've already got a, a, a big enough name I guess to be, to be going off the back of so what we will do as well to our listeners is we're going to put the link to Dave's website on this podcast so if you click on that you'll be able to oh, brilliant. Um, Thank see you with Your toes are and Mm. get tickets. Well, thank you very much, Dave. It has been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed it. (laughs) I've got a laugh. laugh. Hangover gum now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no oh terrible. Terrible. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please remember to visit www.michaelahyphenwain.co.uk. Subscribe to the podcast, leave your feedback, and don't troll.